You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Fanatical L Show, part of the L Network. We are a bunch of wild and crazy Cleveland Browns fans, bringing you all the latest in Browns news. Tune in now. Hey, hey, we are a bunch of wild and crazy Browns fans. We are the Fanatical Elves, and thank you for joining us on this Thursday evening. It is February 22nd, and we have in the house tonight Jarrell, we have Sam, and we have Steve. Welcome aboard the train, the Browns train. Here we go. Jarrell, how's it going up there or down there in Memphis? You're above me on the, if you're watching us on YouTube, on the X. Jarrell, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm fantastic. You know, just uh, just a Thursday evening. Just uh, chopping it up with my fellow Browns, you know, fans, media. So, yeah. Appreciate well. appreciate you, man. The uh, Some just great content uh, that you provided this week with your new show, The Dog Food show and got some great feedback from some of your followers so again thank you for being part of our new group here and uh can't wait for you to continue that and lots of other things as the season gets going we've got the nfl combine next week we have free agency knocking on our door the draft is after that and we are super excited to have you 
join us, um, Jarrell. And there we have Elliot joining us. Hello, Elliot. We're going to come to you here in a second. We want to welcome Sam. How are you, Sam, tonight down there in Arlington? You are um, you are our host that we're going to talk about your uh, advertising water tonight, right? And the fact that it's really yeah. hot in Texas. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Sam's Club water, so... I wouldn't mind a sponsorship, you know, try and save us, supply me with a life, lifetime supply of water. I'll probably burn through it all next summer. <laughs> it's going to get hot here in Texas. If you live here in Texas, just prepare yourself because it's going to it's going to burn. <laughs> we were talking, I mean, Sam, uh, before we came on, weren't we, just about the weather and how this El Nino is shifting to a La Nino and all of the Midwest and the north northern part of the country is going to burn up. <laughs> This spring, if you're not prepared, um, Jarrell and I think uh, uh, Steve, you just mentioned it's going to be in the 70s next week up in Nashville or Memphis yeah. and or yeah. Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. And you're going to be 87 there in Texas. Um, it's going to warm up here in the Buckeye State as well. Uh, Steve, how are you tonight? You're in an I'm undisclosed doing great. location, right? I'm in an undisclosed location in Western North Carolina. So I'm heading back to Nashville tomorrow. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Doing well. Good. Yeah. Well, safe travels tomorrow on your and, way back. Uh, it's just uh, getting ready to uh, dive into backup defensive free agents. I'll have a, a okay. Cleveland Browns Dog Pound South podcast probably Saturday. Okay, excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up just looking at, you know, estimated contracts and that kind of stuff. Well, we've really enjoyed all of you guys are bringing some great stuff. The dog dog food show and your perspectives on things. Uh, Steve, you've been having your dog pound South shows and bringing a lot of content there, looking at free agencies. And then, um, then we have the Oracle speaks, the Cleveland Oracle speaks the man himself, the um, who now has his own Facebook um, page to follow. So check that out. I um, did a 10 minute rant about Chubb. We're going to talk about Nick Chubb here in a minute, but I know, Elliot, you have already talked about him as well. How are you this evening? It's absolutely fabulous. Thank you, John. Oh, very good. Very nice to be here. I, I just love this show. It's just so cool. Well, you've been so kind, too, Elliot. I've listened to some of your shows, and you've been generous enough to say thanks to all of us. And, um, you know, you're doing a hell of a job. I know, Jarrell, you're just getting started with us. But um, Elliot came on along with uh, – um, uh, Steve here and then Sam and we had a Joe K, uh, Joel and uh, I know Elliot didn't start out doing his own show and he and Steve both have you know started kind of their own programming and uh, it's just really cool to see everybody kind of launch their stuff and like you know Elliot you've got your own Facebook page and following I got there's a lot of people that when I talk about our podcast they say oh yeah I like the Oracle there's a certain group of people out there that like to listen to your show so that's you have fantastic. groupies, Elliot. It's it's the damn hat. I mean, you look like you know. know. Yeah, you're the. Uh, what was the show we were talking about with uh, Kevin Costner and the uh, Untouchables? The, the Untouchables. That's right. Elliot Ness. There Elliot you go. Ness. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let's get into this. Uh, you know, I went on my ten minute rant last night. Just peeve with various local media, like you've said, Steve off air and national media, 
you know, thrown out at the beginning of the week about Chubb and yes, and you've written about it too in your Dog Pound South blogs about, you know, there's $11.2 million that can be saved if the if the Browns 12. were 12.2. Okay, if yeah. he would be released, um, it'll be a cold day in hell that I, I see that happening. I do think personally that like your thought and probably a lot of our thoughts here, but I want to go around the room, you know, will i mean i'm sure they're already talking to chubb or there's this idea of renegotiating or what what they've done already with his money he took a friendly deal the last time he he went with the browns i don't know if it's going to be that friendly this time and obviously it's going to be laced with you know incentives and he's coming off a ginormous injury again he's 28 years old so but i just can't i mean as a browns fan it's just impossible for me to believe the Browns are prepared to release the guy that is the heart and soul of the Browns or has been for the last six seasons. So why want your takes, Jarrell, why don't we start with you? Where are you at with everything tonight with, with Chubb and how do you see this all playing out in, in, in your mind? Well, I don't think they have a choice. They have to keep them. They have to find a way to keep them because let's just say in some crazy alternate universe that they cut them. I think an AFC North team would go out of their way to pay him what he wants to come there. That would be the ultimate pickup, regardless of him coming off of an injury. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of take you giving them the revenge factor. So if you put the incentives in his contract, so I just feel like the Browns have to take care of him. He's done a, a lot for the franchise. He's a fan favorite. You, you can't let him walk out the door. So at this point, it's not even about the money. It's just about doing what's right for the team, for the city, for the fan base. So I, yeah. I don't see any way they let him walk or come. I mean, Jarrell, I can appreciate to a degree some of these people that are out there writing about it being a possibility. I get that, but I just, I just don't like all the, the the extra stuff that comes up with that when you write stuff or you say stuff. Then the social media platforms start taking off, and then you get all this. It just gets ugly, and. Uh, yeah. We're in the speculation era for sure. We're in we're in the clickbait era for sure. And you know, and I also don't think that people pay attention to the Browns as far as the pulse as much as we do. So I mean, because it, it wouldn't wouldn't he still be considered in his prime even coming off of this injury? Wouldn't isn't he still like prime? This is still prime years for him. I I mean I, I consider him to be a unique individual, just completely. Um, and and so while maybe twenty eight doesn't sh- suggest his prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to hear from the rest of you too on this. I, I don't think um, I don't put him in the same categories as other running backs. And I, and that's, that's where the arguments start happening amongst Browns fans, because there's a lot of people out there and, you know, Elliot and Steven, I mean, you, we've all written, I have people that we've written for before that, you know, talk about running backs, just being running backs, but I don't see that with Nick. And I just, I still like I kind of agree that I don't think he's in his I think he's still in his prime uh just because of his but but he is coming off a major knee injury again that was something that he damaged before. Sam, where are you at with Nick Chubb? Yeah, I think he's going to stick around until his contract is up. I don't know if they're going to give him another contract, but you never know. The running back um I was about to say industry, it's not really an industry. The running back market has definitely taken a fall. It's definitely become where a lot of people are 
cheaping out on running backs. You know, why pay a running back when you can just draft one who's going to be right. just as good or possibly potentially even better, and you can draft him in the fifth round for $2 million a year, or you can pay a running back $6 million a year and get basically the same production. Um, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the Browns do in the future, but I think he's sticking around for now. Okay. Elliot. Are you there? No, I, I think all you guys are crazy. Um, <laughs> this has to be a multi-year deal. And the question is, how do you arrive at a multi-year deal? There's no way that the Browns are going to have a one-year deal with a $16 million cap hit. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What they want to do is to have a multi-year deal with a cap hit that's no more than half of what it is now. They're okay. not going to pay him $16 million for one season. That's crazy. You're talking about extending uh, him? Ele- Wait, so you're you're so, talking about... You know, okay. the, the status quo is totally unacceptable. It's not what Nick Chubb wants, and it's not what mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns want. So why would that be the, what they end up with? That's not... It's very um, unlikely that they're going to maintain the status quo. Now, what would happen if they uh, do decide to cut him, that doesn't mean that he's gone forever. What that means is that that would be a step uh, towards establishing, uh, you know, it's kind of like being a restricted free agent. That, well, okay, mm-hmm. Nick, why don't you go out and see what uh, Tampa Bay is offering, and then we'll we'll match that deal. Okay. And And, you know, I think the chances of him leaving Cleveland – even if he gets cut or very small, but I think he does, you know, the agent probably does want to say, well, I'd like to see what the uh, free market actually would pay for my client's services. Yeah. I think you do have to account for the fact that he has had a major knee surgery. I don't know any running back that has come back from two reconstructive knee surgeries on the same knee. Mm -hmm. So I think that his value has been degraded, but nobody knows how much. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can find out really is to get some other offers from some other teams. And so I think it would be a very logical thing for him to go out and say, well, all right, um, let me go see. I I don't think I want to, you know, poke around in Baltimore or Pittsburgh. I think that would be pretty tacky. But why don't I go see what – Baker Mayfield's team will pay me. That would be a good thing to check out. So you're suggesting, so Elliot, you're looking at this from a completely business side and you think that from a business side, business getting paid is business. Sure. So sure. Yeah. yeah, But I, I, but getting, getting cut does not mean that he's exiled forever. This happens all the time. Okay. Where a player gets cut and then re-signed at a lower rate. But But also I, I, I have to think, that that any team that signs him will want to do a multi-year deal okay. where they have low uh, first year and a cap-friendly deal, and it'll be like three years. The Browns will offer him they they will offer him uh, like so, fifteen million dollars guaranteed. Okay. In other words, so that it matches the total on his uh, first year, it'll, and then it'll be a total of three years and probably something like. I don't know, $25, $30 million total. Not all of it will be guaranteed. Uh, so I, I think that we're looking for a three-year deal. And I okay. uh, think that he probably does. I would say that the chances that he re-signs with Cleveland, nothing is 100%, but I think it's way so over you, 
percent that he re-signs with Cleveland. I think it's a multi-year deal. I think that the cap number will be way, way lower than what it is now, okay. and uh, it'll work out, guys. It'll work out. Okay. So you think right now that they're going to cut Nick Chubb? I didn't say that they would cut him, but I think that it's not unthinkable. I think if the two sides feel like that that the market is um, not being uh, that they're far from the free market value of Nick Chubb, yeah. they will the the agent Nick Chubb's agent yeah. um, will find it necessary to go out and prove that his client is worth more than the Browns think. Okay. And if that's true, then the Browns, I think, will, in fact, respond by sweetening their offer. Okay. That's what okay. I believe will happen. Okay. Steve, you agree with that? Well, let's let's start with uh, he's on the on the books in 2024 for 12.2 million, non-guaranteed, none of it's guaranteed. So he has he and his agent have no bargaining power whatsoever. You have Mary Kay coming out and saying he's not going anywhere. The Browns have said he's not going anywhere. So I would think, and, you know, it's two surgeries on the same knee yeah. um, that he just had, uh, shelf life for a running back three to five years. Yeah. So his value is more important to the Cleveland Browns than it is to any other team. Uh, so I, I could see them redoing a contract in that special Andrew Berry way. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of years with a couple of voidable years, uh, you know, load him up on um, uh, a new uh, little upfront guaranteed money and spread it out. And, yeah. you know, I think Nick Chubb <laughs> is going to be back with the Browns. Now, is he going to be the same Nick Chubb? That's the big question. Um, if you see them go out and sign like um, mm -hmm. a Tony Pollard or somebody like that, mm -hmm. he's going to be on the pup list start the right. season. If you see them sign, you know, uh, uh, a backup guy like an AJ Dillon, you know, from Green Bay, then they think Nick Chubb's going to be ready. So I, I'm not really worried about it. Um, I can see the point of cutting him and getting his value. But I don't think they're going to do that. Okay. I think they'll renegotiate a deal and, and okay. you know, give them a lot of incentives. And I think, yeah, and I, I agree with all of that. I think, Elliot, my concern with the whole the whole issue of if you, if you even say you're cutting Nick Chubb to this fan base, I mean, to begin with now, granted, Elliot, what you said, I, I also agree with it potentially then they could, you know, do all these other things after the fact, but like, if you even consider saying that as a franchise and like Steve says, he's more valuable to the Browns than most other teams. I'm you're, you've already lost a percentage of the fan base with Deshaun Watson uh, coming onto this organization. If you, if you cut Nick or if you publicly say that he's been cut, you're going to lose. I can already tell you, there are, are multiple people I've talked to who have said, like, forget the Browns, man. We're not, I'm done. Like, I, I granted, these are older fans that I'll come back when they re sign Nick. Well, you know, this okay. is just a negotiating <laughs> a ploy. Yes. You know, it ain't over until it's over and it ain't over. You know, this so, would be something the way, that would be done at the request of uh, Nick's side I mean, that they want to go yeah. to shop his 
talents elsewhere. Yeah, they they and don't. As a courtesy they no... to the player, they would uh, allow him to be released. And that's where okay. Elliot Point is 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 important. Nick Chubb doesn't have any bargaining power here. Uh, if they if they offer him a deal and he says I'm not going to take it, then what Elliot just said is going to happen. This is a billion okay. dollar a year business. It's going to yeah. happen. And then he'll find his true value. It happens all the time. I mean, every year you got guys going out. Well, go ahead and go yeah. out and find your value. Yeah. And then they come back and say, oh, okay, I'll stay here. Because they okay. like the familiar place. And especially if the team is going to be successful. And the yeah. Browns are going to be successful. Yeah. They will come back. Nick Chubb right now yeah. is fourth in, in that um, rushing tree ladder. I bring this up because I feel as a Browns fan, I'm watching this kid, like many of you, this is a, a symbolic sort of thing for me as a, you know, watching Nick Chubb's career. He would have surpassed, you know, uh, Mike Pruitt and Leroy Kelly. He's 30, what, 30 yards from passing Mike Pruitt to number three, and he should pass Leroy Kelly if he can be somewhat healthy this year, who's sitting with 7,200 yards. So Nick's right now at about 65-11. Um so he'll surpass Leroy if he can maintain that. And then he would be number two, only behind Jim Brown, which in my mind, as a longtime Browns fan, that that says a lot about Nick Chubb and what he's meant to this organization and why a lot of people consider him the heart and soul. So I just want to throw that out again. I mean, a lot of people who follow Nick's career see that he's doing this and he's done it at such a high clip. You look at the number of games that Nick has played in 77 games. You look at Mike Pruitt and Leroy Kelly, they played in 124, 136 games. Um, you know, Jim Brown, of course, is sitting there at 118 games and he's he he surmassed 12,312 yards. So, yeah, a, <laughs> um, a lot of those seasons were uh 12 and short, 14 game seasons. Yes. So. <laughs> I mean, it's just remarkable. Anyway, okay, so uh, let's take a quick break here on the Fanatical Elves Network. We'll be right back, everybody. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, we are back here on the Fanatical Elves, and we've been talking about Nick Chubb and the chatter of cutting, releasing, keeping him, renegotiating, all that fun stuff. So let's talk about another topic here. Uh, it, it was getting a lot more play earlier in the week. It's kind of calmed down a little bit, but I thought our conversation last week was important um, in, in the, in terms of time frame, And I'd like to kind of get your takes on this again um, with this talk of building a new stadium or renovating the old one, I guess, what do you think is going to happen? And this time frame suggests that, I mean, we, we got to get something done here sooner than later because the Browns run out in 2028 with their current contract with the other stadium. So where are we at, Steve? Let's start with you first. 
Well, first of all, yeah, they have to get shovels in the ground by 2025 to get this That's soon. Yeah. Um, I have heard that the Haslam Group made three offers to the city of Cleveland. One was very, very nice offer. And the key word in what I heard was for a year round facility for the lakefront. Okay. So uh, when uh, the Haslam group felt that uh, the city was kind of dragging their feet and put them on the back burner, so they go out and they buy this land. And um, that's where that stands. They are, the Haslam's group knows they've, they've got to have a new facility. So if the mm -hmm. city of Cleveland will cooperate a little bit, it'll be downtown on the lakefront. Haslam Group yeah. would love to develop the lakefront property. Mm -hmm. They would love to do that. But as a backup plan, they bought this property. So yeah. um, what is it? It Brook was an interesting listen. Yeah. So, uh, and the, the city of Brook Park would love to have a stadium out there. <laughs> they see money making because the really? development around that stadium is going to be substantial. But they also know they don't want to be used uh, by the Haslam's or the city of Cleveland. So they're yeah. kind of sitting looking at this kind of going, well, we're going to wait and see what happens. So yeah. that's where it stands right now. Jarrell, uh, what, where are you at with all this? Would you like for them to stay downtown? And Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them downtown. I went to the game when they played the Titans week three, and it was, you know, it was just oh, yeah. very convenient, you know, park right there, you kick it in the Muni lot, and then you just walk over mm -hmm. Um, so I'd like to see that. Um, it's probably going to be inevitable that it's a dome. I know we talked about it last week, but it's mm. just I just feel like the more the NFL is just trending that way. And there's mm. just more money, like you say, the year round piece where when the football games aren't being played, yeah. you get the concerts and the final fours and and all of that stuff. So, OK, um, I would like to see it downtown. Though, right? It was lis listening to Noah um, or Olson, our new contributor too, who does the East Bank sports show with his friend Matt. They were talking about some of the, the like you just said, Jarrell, to the comforts of, you know, having the stadium, having been there forever. Um, a lot of people now, like, you know, like Noah, live on the East Bank of, of the flats now. And, you know, that whole area has developed over the years. Um, and just the whole experience of a Sunday in downtown Cleveland, if that were to leave and go to Brook Park, let's say, that would be such a different experience for so many fans who, you know, since I can even remember as a kid in the 1970s, getting on the train and going down the terminal tower and making that walk down, you know, um, East ninth or, 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 or third street. Um, that's that. I mean, those are memories that you'll, you know, have you, have you all been through terminal tower? I mean, I know probably Steve, you have Jarrell, you've probably, oh, yeah. no, no. Okay. It's just such a, significant building in Cleveland and it's been the heart and soul of really the, of the whole community. And it's a beautifully built, you know, when you're in there, it's very, you know, marble and it's just a very oh, yeah. uh, cool experience. Um, go back in the day. So I, what's the, what's, what's the old joke, uh, Cleveland, the only city to have an, a lake that's eerie and a tower that's terminal. Ah, <laughs> I never heard that one. No, Love you it. haven't. No. Uh, hey, Sam, I hope you didn't fall asleep over there. No, 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 no. I'm paying attention. I know. No, I'm kidding. I, I, <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? I mean, you live down there in Dallas. You know, you got the the mag the this magnificent 
you know, Jerry's world. What do you think is going to happen here in Cleveland? I think they're going to build a dome, but I don't think they should build a dome. I think personally <laughs> they have a rare home field advantage chance because I think I've said it like four times. They have home field advantage from certain teams. So if like Dallas comes during a cold day or if, you know, Miami, I mean, Miami played in the Chiefs and they didn't even want to be there. It was so What cold. about the New Orleans Saints, though? Let's talk about those Saints. They played Saints. in the Dome, too. I know, yeah, but, but they, they came in the Cleveland. They a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember about the Saints. They, they've come to Cleveland before and they've beaten us before in years past. Um, I can recall another game that wasn't too long ago that they came in. I think it was a season opening loss the Browns had in one of those many years. Um, do you remember what I'm talking about? There was a game, might have, maybe it wasn't the first game, maybe it was the second or game of the season, but it was early. It was in the summer, you know, September. Anyway, I've uh, only Sam, been to two Saints games. They were a cool game. In New Orleans. That they, they, they came, um, um, this my my friend um, wasn't able to fly in, and so he let me use his luxury box. Oh, did you go to the game last year? That one, yeah, uh, yeah. It wasn't that. It was twenty twenty two, and uh, yeah. bitter cold, and the Saints right. uh, kicked our butts. They did, um, I know. But uh, yeah, so uh, what do you think? No, but it generally is a home home field advantage. But in that case, for some reason, New Orleans was able to play better than the Browns, even though they're a warm weather dome team. So does, so where do you fall now with the, the, the dome? Do you want it? Do you not want it? And do you think it's going to be still downtown or what do you think, Elliot? What's, what, what oh, well, no, I think a dome is, uh, if you're going to build a new stadium, it's going to have to be a dome because that's where the money is. That's where, you know, the year round utilization, you can't have a stadium, that you spend um, millions and millions of dollars on and you uh, don't have any place for Taylor Swift to play. Um, that doesn't make any sense. I'm in withdrawal, um, by the way. I've been in withdrawal, you know. Um, it's been tough. Yeah, man. so I think it's it's going to be a dome. You're going to have lots of rock performances and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of insane that you have a place that's right next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you don't have any place to play a rock concert in. Oh, that's nuts. Go. So, uh, but I think, point. you know, the, the Haslam's are absolutely brilliant to buy this land in Brook Park. The, you know, the Cleveland politicians, this, this is a lot like the situation in 1994 that Art Modell faced. So uh -huh. Art Modell, being the small man that he was, he said, well, I'll show them. I'm going to move the team to Baltimore because he didn't know how to negotiate with the city politicians. The Haslam's know how to negotiate. They say, well, yeah. City of Cleveland, I'll show you. You want to, you know, try to push us around? We can play uh, that game. We're going to go buy some land in Brook Park. Now, why don't yeah. you learn some manners when you talk to us? <laughs> I just thought it was great. I thought, oh man, D and Jimmy, you were awesome. This is just exactly the right move that you need to do to get something done. It'll get done. Yeah. I don't know whether it'll be Brook Park or whether it'll be Cleveland. Yeah, but I do know that competition gets things done and Cleveland uh, now has competition and it's mm -hmm. damn good competition. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the, um, you know, the Brook Park um, answer to me makes sense. I, 
frankly, I didn't think that putting the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame up at the lakefront was such a smart idea in the first place. Move the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to Brook Park also. What the <laughs> heck? Let's go two for two. Wow. <laughs> Elliot. Hey, uh, by the way, the Browns sound like they're heading to Brazil. Maybe we've talked about maybe touched on yes, that last week. I don't want them to they move to Brazil. To. but Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I'm not really in favor of playing games overseas because I think that the intent of that is, in fact, to steal NFL teams and move them to foreign countries. Mm. I don't like it. Not one little tiny bit. No. How about that AT and T outage today, Elliot? Are you? Did you have it? Do you have AT and T services? But for like an hour or two hours, it was like really stressful for me and my family with this. Try twelve AT&T. hours. Yeah, was it twelve hours? Parts. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't have AT&T. Hey. um, But anyway, getting back to the stadium thing, if it does go downtown, uh, prepare yourselves uh, for the building boom. Um, Nashville is still going on. It's been going on for, I don't know, what do you think, uh, eight years now? Uh, They they keep joking that the state bird is a construction crane. And there are buildings going up everywhere. The one thing Cleveland will have to have if they get a downtown dome stadium is more hotel occupancy. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing. I don't know how they do it. I got to tell you, you know, here in Columbus too, you know, uh, you know, Elliot, you're, you've probably been through here a time or two. It Columbus is just growing like leaps and bounds. They, we have all this construction going on, all these new uh, Intel plants and everything going out here on the East side where I live. And, it's really remarkable just and and I like like and we're seeing growth hotels going up in apartment complexes and I'm like where are all these people coming from I mean it's just like just tons and tons of development right now it's great if you live in this part of the state of Ohio not every part of Ohio is seeing this kind of growth it's, but, it's not enough it's not enough yeah, Nashville. Nashville really scares me because I think that there's a very good chance me that too. The Guardians might be the no, no. Nashville we're not going to talk about that. No, no that's not going to happen. No, no. Nashville will have a major league, league baseball team. Oh yeah, they're they're not really taking cool. the Guardians. Not is, my uh, Indians. Uh, former Oakland pitcher Dave Stewart is uh, one of the major investors for the Nashville baseball. Uh, organization, but uh, it's not going to be the Guardians. They just signed the new stadium deal, so it's not. Let's let's finish with this topic on tonight's uh, show. They did uh, mention, I don't know. I was reminiscing about the Indians. I was telling you guys off air before we started the show that I was asked. Uh, I work right for Northeast Ohio Sports Insiders, and uh, one of the questions, mm-hmm. uh, Northeast, yeah, you. You want me to spell it? No. <laughs> um, so this group, we were—they um, were asking me, all of us, about our favorite past Cleveland Indians or Cleveland Guardians that were the best tandems at certain positions, like first base, second base, shortstop. You know, um, the first one was first base and third base, and the next question was, who was your best um, second baseman or whatever? So I was throwing out old names like Dwayne Kuyper. Um, and then Toby Hara, Mike Hargrove, and then we started talking about uh, Jim Tomey. And anyway, okay, so we were talking about all these things and got me thinking. And then, then I saw this news for the Browns that they were talking about the old cardiac kids. We've talked about the cardiac kids recently this season because of all the close wins that the Browns had. And so I think they're doing something special at the Hall of Fame in Canton coming up where they're going to recognize 
the old Browns, the old, the original cardiac kids. And so I just wanted to know, go around the room and get some, I don't know, just some, uh, you know, past experiences, things with the Brownies or even in the Indians, if you want to talk about the Indians, um, some of your fond memories. I know Jarrell, you said you live in Nashville now, but you spent a good many years. Um, we'll start with you maybe if, you know, coming up here to Cleveland and, I know you and I have talked off air about some of these uh, moments that you've had where you had got the experience of things. What are some of those experiences that, that, that hold um, positive for you? With well, with my dad having played for the team, I would, was fortunate enough to come to a lot of the training camps and be like, you know, like right next to the players. Like I remember Dennis Northcutt was like, you know, I was talking to him, throwing the ball with him and uh-huh. was just getting that kind of unfettered access. And I knew even back then as a kid, it was it was pretty unique. So and I still yeah. have a lot of that stuff, like some of the passes and and things like that. So I, I think beyond any game that those were probably special to me, because even some of his old teammates would, you know, I would get to like meet them like Hanford Dixon and and guys yes. like that. Dick Ambrose. So, so yeah, do you remember those. Felix Wright? Do you remember that name, Felix Wright? He used to play yeah. like on the defensive end, kind of that same time period. I He's a safety. He follows yeah. me on Twitter. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He follows some of, it, of us, and he's commented a time or two on okay. either some of our writings or stuff. So I've always <laughs> thought that was kind of cool that some of these guys that have played, you know, they still follow, you know, the Browns, and I think that's him and uh, Metcalf follow me. Oh, oh, you get Eric Metcalf following you, dude. That's cool, Jarrell. That's really cool. I'd love to hear more stories. In time, uh, I know the fans would love to hear that. I think me too. I, I just eat that stuff up. I mean, Browns fans, same here. Yeah. So um, you should just, yeah. We'll have to go. You know, we'll have to figure some things out for training camp. Maybe you guys can come up sometime for a training camp and stuff. We can meet up there and do some fanatical elves stuff there. So sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam, now you're not quite as old as all of us, or you know your memories um you know you kind of started your fandom with the brownies not too long ago but you know so much about this team yeah what do you what are some of your favorite sort of past moments i mean when you started following them what really caught your um attention I think my, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of moments because we keep losing in the past seasons. Other than <laughs> this season, we kept losing. Uh, I feel like that Amari Cooper game was really cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's... I've only been a f- true fan for three years now. So there's not a whole lot of things that's gone on in these past three years. But. That... That catch that he they I saw some highlights. Somebody was talking about the catch that he made in the San Francisco, Francisco. 49ers game. Yeah. And it I watched really, it again today. Yes. Yeah, that was a really fun game watching yeah. them miss the field goal. <laughs> well, out to that game, that memory, my wife and I went to that game together and Laura and I, we were um they were at the moment they were losing. The Browns were losing. And then we made our way downstairs under the first level. And we were trying to watch the game from the tunnels. And we got down in the end zone where they finally hit the field goal to put them in the lead. Um, and then we actually ended up starting to walk away, which is, 
I don't typically do that most games, but it was, I think it was really cold and wet and stuff. And so we actually heard the roar of the crowd as we were walking up uh, third street um, that they had missed. So that's, that was my memory of that game. But Sam, I cut you off. No, no, I don't have much yet. I think in 10 years I might, but not really. I don't have a whole lot of really prominent memories yet. Not yet, but when we win that Super Bowl, Sam. I hope. We can do it. 13 wins. <laughs> Elliot, possible. Elliot, now you have a little bit more experience following the Browns. A few more years well, than Sam. I think the most memorable game for me was, uh, I think it was 1972, when the Steelers were first getting good. And, and they were, uh-huh. the, the fan base in Pittsburgh was absolutely hysterical. And uh, they invaded Cleveland Stadium, and um, uh, and uh, it was a back and forth game. And uh, I was in the bleachers. It wasn't called the dog pound at that time, but it right. was you know very much dog pound. And uh, I just you know in high school I was in high school, and it was just so fascinating to me that the uh, you know we had fights in the stands and stuff, and there's you know guys that were you know, like cheerleading for the Steelers, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And then some of the Browns fans, I remember one guy in particular grabbed a milk carton, uh-huh. threw it and hit the Pittsburgh Steeler cheerleader guy in the head with it. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. I shouldn't say that <laughs> on, on the air, but that was a bad example, but bad sportsmanship. But it was, at I the love time, that. I enjoyed it. We'll put it, I confess, yes. I enjoyed it immensely at the time. Thought it was funny as hell. That's but great. uh but Who yeah, and the, the Browns pulled that game. They pulled it out. I think it was like twenty-six to twenty-two. It was a last minute field goal okay. by Don Cockroft. It was the best game that Mike Phipps, bless his heart, oh, yes. ever played yes. as a Cleveland Brown. Um <laughs> it, it was back and forth, and the Browns came from behind and won that game. It was just absolutely fantastic. It was cold, rainy, muddy. Um <laughs> yeah, uh, that old municipal perfection. stadium boy. Yeah, they would play on that yes. old, you know, the baseball field. And you're right. It would be just like those are memories that you and all, all of us, you know, that have watched the team since they were younger. I remember that, you know, and then seeing these players, Ozzie Newsom and Brian Sipe and all these guys, you know, running through the muck <laughs> of what was the old <laughs> municipal stadium field. I just, yeah, definitely some really cool things to remember there. Um. We're uh, let's see, Steve. Let's finish with you. Oh, come on. Uh, of course, my favorite Indian as a kid was Rocky Calavito. Oh, yeah, like Rocky Calavito. Yes. I mean, come on, the rock, <laughs> heartbroken when they traded him to Detroit. And Mike Phipps, mm. you know, they traded Paul Warfield to get Mike yeah. Phipps. Oh, yeah, come on. that's ridiculous. Oh, well, my <laughs> early childhood memory, and uh, my, my dad worked for an accounting firm downtown. So we always had tickets. So yeah. early in the season before it got cold, he'd take my brother and I down to watch uh, the Browns play. So I actually got to see Jim Brown play live. Mm-hmm. And that that just sealed it for me. Uh, I, I'm a Browns fan no matter what. Yeah. On out. You know, thick and thin, one in 31. I'm a Browns fan. Yeah. So um, yeah. as for my best memory, um, New Orleans, 1999. <laughs> Timmy Couch, Hail Mary, Mike Dicka sprawled out onto the field, uh, stadium <laughs> staff heckling us right before that pass. 
and then they all disappear. Uh, that yeah, that just kind of stuck in my brain because yeah. oh, it was funny. I mean, they come up and laugh at us, and there's like what four. You were there left in the game. Yeah, you were I was there. there in New Orleans. Yeah. yeah, it was a Browns backer weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, we stayed in the same hotel that the players did. So I got <laughs> to see a lot of them, got a lot of autographs. And, you know, it's just that last Very pass. Cool. Uh, we were way up in the nosebleed section and yeah. you could see the ball like that. Uh-huh. And then when Kevin Johnson just jumped and caught it, yeah, we went crazy. Yeah, And, you know, the rest is it, those type of things build a fan base. They do. Especially when you have a ton of Browns backers sitting around. Yeah. You. I mean, I had I the guy, the, yeah. I had the president from the, the London backers sitting next to me and I'd teach him how to high five because uh-huh. he, he kept moving his hand. If I go up to high five and he'd put it like here and I had, don't do that. Yeah. And you know, every time the Browns made a great play, he'd go good show. A good show. Good show. Good show. <laughs> the, uh, you know, more recent memories, and I and I still, and I I give credit to Baker Mayfield again, but that 2018 game when they finally won and they beat the Jets, um, still, and I was in the stands at the stadium, and it's still a memory that will last with me forever because the way that he came in and that game just turned on a dime when Mayfield started throwing darts and uh, pulling that game off and all the things that were happening and then winning it and afterwards the, the craziest part to me on that the whole night was you know like we talk about browns backers groups and at the time i had been well prior to that time i had been the browns backers president of the wichita group there the oz chapter and one of my of uh, the people that were part of the, that club i wasn't best friends with him but um i think he thought i was best friends with him he uh he <laughs> We're, I'm leaving with a friend, no kidding. We're walking up East Ninth to go back to the one of the parking lots in the middle of off of East Ninth, like just random parking lot. We're in the in you know in the garage area, and here comes this guy from Wichita, sees me of all the people, and with he and his wife, they were drunker than could all they couldn't even walk straight. And he saw me, and it was just one of those great moments where he's like, "Oh my God, Sushan, what, what, like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here?" And uh, so that was after the exhilarating win over the Jets. So that's something that, oh, and was best part is I was with this new friend that I was working with at a new school, and he thought I was. We got we after this whole it, it, exchange, he thought I was a superstar. Like, you know, how does this guy know this guy from? <laughs> so it was it was cool. So. A lot of memories, um, you know, that's the best part, I think. And you guys might, I'm sure, agree, like like you've already shared, when you're a Browns fan, it's like you you develop these bonds with this these other fans of, of the Browns who just, you might not know them personally, but when you get together at the stadium or in the Muni lot, it's just something that's it's just special. So um, final takes last words before we leave tonight my nose is i've been having a cold i've been fighting it all 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 night but anybody want have anything out there to share sam final thoughts in texas oh yeah sorry um i don't know i don't know i think it'll be fun for the i think i've i've I said last week um I, yeah i said last week um uh, or oh man i can't my head is not in the 
place. I said last week on my podcast that I think the Browns can realistically win 13 games this season. As long as Watson stays healthy, Chubb stays... I feel like health is the only thing holding this Browns team back from winning 12 to 13 games. Because mm. yeah. we won 11 games and we went through multiple quarterbacks. Our stud running back tore his knee in half in game two. All of our wide receivers were... Yeah trying to play but some of them weren't as good as we wanted them to our offensive line kind of fell apart a little our defense was really good but then fell apart a little like i feel like this team as long as it can stay healthy can easily win 12 games maybe even 13 depending on uh if they're able to you know get some lucky wins or something i think we could win the division i think the one seed is possible if the browns can just stay healthy honestly love that one seed (laughs) jarell final Final takes tonight. Anything you'd like to get out there tonight before we leave? Yeah, yeah. I think um, just you know, I think Chubb has has earned the right to you know be be taken care of and treated fairly. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that the running back position has been devalued by the running backs. I really believe that. I don't know if it's the coaches or the league or whatever. Because yeah. I sat there and watched San Francisco have uh, the number one running back in the league. And yeah. they didn't give them the ball in the Super Bowl. So how can you blame the running backs if you're calling pass plays when you should be trying to control the game? I think Chubb has been <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Get get him signed, get it done. You know, That's it's funny. interesting, Jarrell, too. Yeah, Steve, uh, just a second, Steve, I'll get let you with the, what you just said, the whole thing with play calling, <laughs> you know, the conversation it seemed like to me from a year ago when Nick Chubb was healthy. The, the criticism of Stefanski was always about play calling. Mm-hmm. And then Chubb goes out for the entire year. I didn't hear not a lot about play calling. And we were very positive about Steady Eddie and, and his play calling. But I think it's interesting that you bring this up because I think it's a real interesting topic to talk about. Um, Steve, I cut you off. No, no, no. I was just agreeing with Jarrell. He's making a great point. I mean, number one running back in the mm-hmm. league and they can't yeah. get him the ball in the second half. Um, thoughts, uh, combine starts, uh, next yes. week, the, yeah. uh, illegal tampering Whoa. period, uh, Zadarius Smith's agents are going to meet the Browns in Indy to talk about a possible re-signing. Okay. Um, we should start hearing about restructures and there's like seven guys on the team that make, uh, that have, Three million or more that are, okay. are perfect restructuring uh, uh-huh. candidates. You got like four of them who have deadlines of either March fifteenth or sixteenth. Like uh, Garrett, uh, uh-huh. Antonio, and Teller all have March sixteenth deadlines to for uh, money to kick in. Uh-huh. And the Jokus is on March fifteenth. So you know you're gonna see okay. some. Uh, you're gonna hear. They don't announce yes. restructures, but you're going to hear about restructures. And okay. they'll, they'll get their cap space in, in order in uh, well before the uh, league starts. Elliot, final word. Yeah, I, th- I think that the restructuring um, and uh, extensions uh, are very important. Uh, the Browns are $20 million over the cap. They are not the worst in the league. There are other teams that are uh, much worse than the Browns, um, but it is a tight situation this season and needs to be handled very carefully. Yeah. I don't look for them to make a lot of big moves. I do believe that Nick Chubb will be 
a Cleveland Brown next season uh, with, let's say, 95% certainty, uh, unless there's, for some reason, Nick Chubb just doesn't really like the Cleveland Browns and has a problem with the coaches <laughs> or something like that, which we don't know about. But I believe right. that he will wind up with the Cleveland Browns, whether or not uh, the Browns uh, cut him. I, I'm sure that they're going to tear up his existing contract and they're going to wind up with a three-year deal, multi-year deal of some sort. Uh, I can't imagine that yeah. they're going to maintain the status quo All right. with a gigantic well, salary cap uh, hit and a one-year deal. That's just not going to stand. Yeah. Folks, appreciate you being here, guys. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Jarrell. And thank you, Sam. We are the Fanatical Elves. We'll be bringing you all sorts of shows in the coming weeks. NFL Combine, <laughs> The Draft. All of that. Um, and hey, thanks, Steve um, Hemrick, who's watching, I believe, right now. Uh, appreciate you. Um, we uh, Steve is getting uh, was our winner of the ball cap from a couple weeks oh, ago. And unfortunately, awesome. the, the ball cap, when it was mailed, was not mailed uh, properly. And so we are I'm, I've mailed him a new uh, elf hat uh, earlier today. So thanks, Steve, again, for being a supporter of the Fanatical Elves. Spread the word. Spread the love. Tell all your fellow Browns fans to follow us here on the Fanatical Elves, on Apple, on Spotify. We really need you to listen to us on the audio downloads where we make the big bucks. Guys, have a great night. Go Browns. Go Browns. Browns. I don't have a shirt on, so I can't do my little thing. (laughs) Brown shirt, not Uh, just like no shirt. You're welcome, Steve.